when you when you look at the state of the of black culture now versus what you understood it to be then, and you provide, primarily look at the state of black ministers now versus then, you have to look at it and be like, "Doggone it, that actually worked." Yeah, and and yeah. you know, and I, I want to take that. I want to add this with it too. When you were talking. I, I was watching the clip earlier of Martin Luther King saying that he's not a, a socialist, not a communist, and it'd be very hard for a communist to be a part of the civil rights movement because of the, the freedom of speech and other things that were there. But then, I, you know, as you started watching other clips, this communist and socialist group, I feel like, Paul, they're a bunch of cretins and liars. You know, they're a bunch of yeah. liars and yeah, gluttons. Like they, they, they really are deceitful and slippery. And so it's hard mm. to... It takes a lot of effort to manage and keep up with them. Yeah. So they practice what's called utilitarianism, um, using whatever tools at your disposal Boy, that's horrible. to be effective. That's right. some wicked and stuff. so, yeah. And so like lying is obviously part of part of the tools that they use deception. Right. You, you mustn't forget Fidel Castro on his rise to power in Cuba rejected being a a communist or, or, you know, denied, I should say, denied being a communist. Wow. It wasn't until after he secured power that he, he, <laughs> you know, uh, ushered in communism. And so, and so it's, it, that's part of what they do. Again, uh, we are so distracted as a society by the shiny things, um, you know, by the pandering, by the things people say, and we go along with that doing research and looking at things more closely, being a little bit more skeptical requires too much mm. work. Um, and being when you, yeah, when that's you, a good point. yeah. And when you add in the, the added measure of, again, our collectivized public schools, uh, they are purposefully, uh, training us to, uh, be these kind of collectivist socialites, um, <laughs> where we are susceptible to any given social justice movement. That was our backstage show featuring Chad Jackson of Uncle Tom 2. And this is Garrison Hardy with your Cross Politic Daily News Brief for Thursday, January 19th, 2023. Ladies and gentlemen, now is the time to sign up for a club membership at fightlaughfeast.com. This year, Cross Politic will be dropping exclusive content into our club portal that you won't be able to find anywhere else. Some of this content will include a Bible study series with Pastor Toby, a special with New St. Andrews President Ben Merkel, our backstage content, and probably stuff that Gabe hasn't told myself, Toby, or Knox about. So, again, head on over to FightLaughFeast.com to get signed up today. That's FightLaughFeast.com. Holiday sales fall short of expectations and set stage for a tougher 2023 for retailers. Holiday sales came in below industry expectations as shoppers felt pinched by inflation and rising interest rates, according to data from the National Retail Federation. Sales during November and December grew 5.3% over year to $936 billion. Uh, that's below the major trade group's prediction of growth between 6 and 8% over the year prior. In early November, NRF had projected spending between $942.6 billion and $960.4 billion. The retail sales numbers exclude spending on automobile dealers, gasoline stations, and restaurants. And is based on data from the U.S. Census Bureau, it covers the period from November 1st to December 31st. 
Holiday sales gains include the impact of inflation, which drives up total sales. The Consumer Price Index, which measures the cost of a broad mix of goods and services, was up 6.5% in December compared with a year ago, that according to the Labor Department. For retailers, the shopping season's results reflect the challenges ahead as Americans continue to pay higher prices for groceries, housing, and more month after month. They are racking up credit card balances, spending down savings, and having fewer dollars for discretionary spending. Plus, retailers are following years of extreme extraordinary spending. During the COVID pandemic, Americans fought boredom and used stimulus checks by buying loungewear, throw pillows, kitchen supplies, home theater systems, and more. That translated to sharp year-over-year jumps in retail sales in the past two holiday seasons, a 14.1% gain in 2021 and 8.3% gain in 2020. On average, holiday sales have grown from 4.9% annually over the past decade, that according to the National Retail Federation. NRF Chief Executive Matt Shea said those upward leaps were unsustainable, especially as people returned to commuting and going out to dinner and booking vacations once again. Plus, he said Americans are playing, paying higher prices across the board from pricier rents to more expensive groceries. Sales rose in most major retail categories during the holiday season. Online and non-store sales saw the biggest year-over-year gains, jumping from 9.5% during the holiday season. Sales at grocery and beverage stores, which have had significant price increases, rose 7.8% versus the year-ago period. Demand in some categories noticeably weakened. Sales at furniture and home furnishing stores declined 1.1%, and sales at electronics and appliances stores dropped 5.7% year over year. Moving on, Climate Group turns on World Economic Forum after hundreds of private jets fly to Davos. Greenpeace torched the World Economic Forum attendees for traveling to Davos, Switzerland in a scathing rebuke of the Klaus Schwab-run event. According to a newly released analysis commissioned by Greenpeace found, approximately 1,040 private jets flew in and out of airports servicing Davos during last year's World Economic Forum conference. Of those jets, most were embarking on short-haul flights of less than 500 miles that could have easily been train or car trips, One plane carried its passengers a mere 13 miles to attend the event. The analysis concluded by Dutch environmental consulting firm CE Delft also revealed that the number of arrivals and departures out of Davos airports included neighboring countries such as Germany, France, and Italy. The research concluded that private jet travel in the WEF Great Reset event of 2021 produced carbon emissions equivalent to those caused in one week by 350,000 cars. Private jet emissions linked to Davos quadrupled during the week of the event compared to weeks before and after the meeting. The WEF's theme of 2023 is cooperation in a fragmented world, which involves how we can tackle the numerous and interlinked challenges the world is facing and find solutions through public-private cooperation, the organization's press release said. Klaus Schwab said in his opening remarks that investing into greener and therefore more sustainable economy is one of the main objectives of the conference attendees. European Commission President Ursula von der Leyen also confirmed during her remarks that policymakers would endeavor to reach net zero carbon emissions. Member states of the European Union, which rely on fossil fuel production to combat combat climate change, were forced to scramble for new power supplies after the Nord Stream pipeline attack and Russia's severing reserves. Hey, speaking of the World Economic Forum, WEF, Danger of Disinformation Panel, Hate Speech Laws Coming to the U.S. 
One participant in the World Economic Forum's panel on the clear and present danger of disinformation at their annual meeting in Davos on Tuesday had a chilling prediction for hate speech laws in the United States. The panel, hosted by former CNN host Brian Stetler, also featured Rep. Seth Moulton of Massachusetts and Arthur Greg Sulzberger, the chairman of the New York Times Company. The European Commission Vice President for Values and Transparency, Vera Jarova, who is from the Czech Republic, said there are reasons why many parts of Europe have strong hate speech code laws and the United States could soon have them too. Quote, illegal hate speech, which you will have soon also in the U.S., I think that we have a strong reason why we have this in criminal law, Jarova said. We need to we need to the platforms to simply work with the language and to identify such cases, end quote. Solzberger said overall disinformation is the most existential challenge and whatever problems with reporting stories inaccurately, the New York Times has made corrections. Talk from the newsroom and the the news publishing perspective, and then we'll work our way toward uh, some of the uh, political uh, parts of the conversation. Uh, How does this discussion of disinformation relate to everything else happening here today in Davos? Um, Well, first, uh, thanks for having me as, as part of this conversation. As you can imagine, this is something I really care deeply about. So I, th- I think if you look at, at um, this question of disinformation, I think it maps basically to every other <laughs> major challenge that we are grappling with as a society, and particularly the most existential among them. So disinformation, and in the broader set of misinformation, conspiracy, propaganda, clickbait, you know, the, the, the broader um, mix of bad information that's corrupting the information ecosystem, what it attacks is trust. And once you see trust decline, uh, what you then see um, is uh, societies start to fracture. And so you see people fracture along tribal lines, and, um, and, uh, and you know, that immediately undermines pluralism. Mm-hmm. And you know, the undermining of pluralism is probably the most dangerous thing that can happen to a democracy. So I really, I think if, if, you know, if you're spending this week thinking about the health of democracies and democratic erosion, I think it's really important to work your way back up to where this starts. Now this, the Taliban reportedly buying blue checks on Twitter. If you thought things on Twitter were getting a bit weird since Elon Musk took over, buckle up. The strangeness continues this week. There has been quite a debate taking place over Musk's decision to revamp the verification system and sell check marks on various colors to anyone who requests one and is willing to fork over a small monthly payment. Plenty of people have been taking advantage of that offer, gaining some amplification of their tweets and other users' options not available on the hoi poli. So perhaps we shouldn't have been all that surprised to learn that high-ranking officials from the Taliban have gotten in on the action, but it still certainly sounds disturbing at first glance, according to the BBC. The Taliban have started using Twitter's paid-for verification feature, meaning some now have blue ticks on their accounts. Previously, the blue tick indicated active, notable, and authentic accounts accounts of public interest verified by Twitter and cannot be purchased. But now users can buy them through the new Twitter Blue service. At least two Taliban officials and four prominent supporters in Afghanistan are currently using the check marks. One of the terrorist officials who now has a blue check is, I'm not even going to try to pronounce that, the head of the Taliban's Department for Access to Information. He is definitely on Twitter with more than 180,000 followers, and he tweets regularly, but I don't see a check mark of any color 
by his name. It's less than two weeks to go for the Christians in Web3 Summit 2023. This is definitely going to be a historic gathering with KGEB-TV, Patmos, Kingdom Warriors, Public Square, Christian Vision, Heaven's Entrepreneurs, and 30-plus more organizations represented at the event. And one of them cross-politic. Gabe the Waterboy is going to be in attendance. He's going to be speaking on Web3. The event is hosted by Forum 12 in partnership with Oral Roberts University, and they're bringing together top leaders in Web3, AR, VR, metaverses, ministry tech, and business space to further the kingdom and unite as many Christians together to build solutions and not live in fear with what's happening in the world. With with experiences like networking, musical performances, roundtable discussions, panels, pitch night, and workshops, you won't want to miss this opportunity to connect with other Christians in Web3 and learn about the latest technologies being used to share the gospel and empower believers. The event will take place both in person at Earl Roberts University in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and online through Gather, Town, and Streaming Experiences. Visit forum12.com slash web3summit for more information. That's forum12.com slash web3summit. And that is a message from Gravity Jack, one of our corporate partners. Now, let's head over to China. China's population fell last year for the first time in six decades, a historic turn that is expected to mark the start of a long period of decline in its citizen numbers with profound implications for its economy and the world. The countries around Bureau of National Statistics reported a drop of roughly 850,000 people for a population of 1.8. 4 billion in 2022, marking the first decline since 1961, the last year of China's Great Famine. That possibly makes India the world's most populous nation. UN experts predicted last year that India would have a population of 1.412 billion in 2022, though they did not expect the South Asian nation to overtake China until this year. India, however, only collects population figures every 10 years, and its latest census, originally scheduled for 2021, has been delayed due to the pandemic. Long-term UN experts see China's population shrinking by 109 million by 2050, more than triple the decline of their previous forecast in 2019. That's caused domestic demographers to lament that China will get old before it gets rich, slowing the economy as revenues drop and government debt increases due to soaring health and welfare costs. The country's shrieking labor force and downturn in manufacturing heft would further exacerbate high prices and high inflation in the United States and Europe. China's birth rate last year was just 6.77 births per 1,000 people, down from a rate of 7.52 births in 2021, and making the lowest birth rate on record. The number of Chinese women of childbearing age, which the government defines as age 25 to 35, fell by about 4 million, Kang said. The death rate, the highest since 1974 during the Cultural Revolution, was 7.37 deaths per 1,000 people, which compares to a rate of 7.18 deaths in 2021. Much of the demographic downturn is the result of China's one-child policy imposed between 1980 and 2015, as well as the the sky-high education costs that put many Chinese off having more than one child or even having any at all. The one-child policy and a traditional preference for boys have also created a deep gender imbalance. The latest data shows China with around 722 million males compared to 690 million females. The imbalance, which is more pronounced in rural areas, has led to fewer families being formed in recent years. 
That, ladies and gentlemen, is going to do it for this cross-politic daily news brief. If you like the show, go ahead and hit that share button for me down below. If you want to sign up for a club membership or a magazine subscription, you got to get that backstage content, head on over to fightlaughfeast.com. And as always, if you want to send me a news story, if you want to ask about corporate partnerships, or if you want to ask about the ARC Encounter this year, 2023 of in October, email me, garrison at fightlaughfeast.com. That's garrison at fightlaughfeast.com. For Cross Politic News, I'm Garrison Hardy. Have a great rest of your day, and Lord bless. <laughs>